Hi, welcome to the Coffee Chat Show here on Buzzing Patia, the show where we talk about things that are happening right here, right now, as well as general news, tips, information, and advice. All right, so today, now I did promise you before Christmas that I'll be bringing lots more people to the interview, and you may or may not have seen the last one we did, which was with Brian Flowers, which was brilliant. And today, I'm really pleased to say I'm sat here with Phil, aka Mr. Egg from La Pub. How you doing, buddy? Trevor, welcome to La Pub. Now, before anybody drops a smart comment, and I know what you're thinking, we are not related, okay? He's much better looking than me, so let's not get that one in before anyone says it. You know they're going to say it, don't you? Are you two brothers? <laughs> right, so Fred. Well, do you know what? The other day I got a really nice comment, and I'm going to say, I'm going to hang you out to dry now. The other day they said to me, why are people our age fat, bald, yeah, and ugly? I saw that, I, mean, I like, saw that, yeah. What is that about? I mean, seriously. But anyway, enough about you. If it made your day, good on you. All right, so I'm sat here with Phil, and I'm going to talk to Phil about a lot of things. He's a very, very knowledgeable man. He's been here a long, long time, and he's been in the thick of all of it. So... I want to just go through a few things with you. I mean, talk to me about before Patea. You know, when you were back home, where are you originally from? Well, um, I was born. Can I can I talk about football at all? Football, you you can. Okay. I was born within, literally within the shadow of the Aston Villa football ground. I thought we were going to talk about football. Uh, well, oh. actually, <laughs> that's a good segue because um, my very first memory was moving away from that place okay. to the, the, the promised land. The promised land. West Bromwich, I went to a place called West Bromwich. For those of you who don't know, it's just north of Birmingham. Is that what we call the black country? It's the black country, yeah. Oh, yeah right. It's the black country. Um, and it's called the black country because it used to be a big mining area and there's lots, lots of foundries, very industrial, and all the workers back in the Victorian times and later always used to have like sort of dots on their faces. Yeah. So that's why it's called the Black Oh, there you go. See, you learn something new. I never knew that. A little bit of history, mate. Yeah, see, not Start only off. do you know a lot about Patea, but you know that. And I mean, what were you doing back in England? What, what was your job back in England? Um, actually, my very first job was as a DJ. I was working, uh, I got really lucky. Most people, when they become a DJ, this was, 1980s, early 1980s. Yeah. Most people start off as like a, a, a wedding DJ. Yeah. Um, and then go maybe into a wine bar or something, and then they go into a nightclub. I just started off DJing in a nightclub Did you? straight away. And can I just say, I know we're not really talking about DJing, but being a wedding DJ, I've done 2,000, 3,000 capacity nightclubs. The hardest live DJing to do is weddings and, and those sort of parties because it's a one-off event. Yeah. Everyone's a bit nervous. The bride, you know, the, yeah. the bride's mother is always the one. <laughs> She's always the one that has a hissy fit sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I've done hundreds of weddings. Most of them failed, you know. Um, <laughs> so there you go, if you're getting married, don't worry about me. Because you've got a less than yeah. good chance of survival. But, but by the age of 17, actually, I've got to be honest, for a while I was homeless, for right. a while, but that, that was my own fault, really. Uh, by the age of 17, I had a, um, a residency in a top club in Birmingham. Okay. And uh, started then, actually got a real job Yeah. Um, in a warehouse, did that for a long time. In the late 90s, after having done that, did a bit of radio work, did a few voiceovers and stuff like that. Um, and then started working 
in strip clubs. Now hold on, it's not bad. I was behind the decks. I wasn't on the stage. Okay, well, I was really kind funny. of announcing the girls. I was going, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Tiffany. <laughs> Tiffany would come on, do her something. What's Tiffany? That sort of thing. I did that for about 15 years. I don't know, about 10 years, say. And then came over here. Uh, actually, the first time I came to work in Patia, about 2003. Right. And then uh, did a couple of years. Uh, Things, to be honest, didn't really work out for me the first time I was here. So, did you come here on holiday first, or did you come here straight to work? Yes, I've jumped a bit. 1996 was the first time I came. 96? 1996. Wow. Oh, I mean, it was all fields. You see some fields. changes. <laughs> it was all fields. There was elephants on Walking Street. Literally, there were elephants on Walking Street. It's very nice, isn't it? They have tried to lose weight recently. Yeah. Not, I know. I employ them all, So, so That's yeah. not true. Before you go, he's not but, true. He's got some but, lovely girls. But, but I'll tell you, Think about the elephants while we're on the subject. People don't believe this. They used to walk down Beach Road sometimes, and, and one of the rules was if you had an elephant and you would go, no, seriously, they were kind of for entertainment and f photography purposes. Okay. If you had an elephant and you're going down Beach Road, it had to have a red light on its tail. And so, seriously, there was. There were, yeah, because you'd be, you know, so, some Thai, you know. <laughs> Other Thai names are available. Be on his motorbike. Add oh, you know one or two sang yeah. songs. If you're gonna, and all of a sudden, bang, straight into the elephant. <laughs> Not really bothered about the elephant. The elephant would be going. Oh, it was a bit of a, a scratch there. going. Yeah, some Thai would be dead. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, they were a, a road hazard. So they used to put lights on the tails of the elephants. Wow. So, yeah, true story. And I mean, back in the day, I mean, you know, you've been here a long, long time. I mean, you've seen this city evolve. I mean, what's been the, the most dramatic thing that you've seen over the years change? Well, I'd say about 2005 we started to see a lot of what I would call package tourism from mainly from, we call it Russia, but actually it's like Eastern Europe because yeah. most of the Russians aren't actually Russian, a lot of them right. are from Uzbekistan and places like that. So yeah, I noticed, I was going to say to you, I went home for a few years because my mum got ill. And when I started coming back here on holiday about 2005, I noticed that kind of tourism yeah. started. There was always the uh, like the Chinese, Koreans, Japanese that used to be called flag, 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 flag chasers. Yeah, yeah. There were always those, even in the late 90s, there was, was always it? those. Wow. But it just seemed to explode around the early 2000s. Okay. So that was a big change. I would say, obviously, people will go on about the internet, mobile phones, smartphones. Um, when I, the first time I was here, I fell in love with a girl <laughs> and I wanted to talk to her, so the only way to do it was by airmail. Do you remember airmail? <laughs> you mean like, you put pen to paper? It was like crepe paper. You used to go to the post office and buy a bag of airmail, a, a packet of airmails. Yeah. And they were, they already had a stamp on and it was honestly, it was the thinnest paper you can imagine. And you just used to write things like, oh, so I miss you so much, lovely. And then it used to come to um, the bar yeah. where she was working. And then I would, two or three weeks later, there would be a letter landing on my doorstep. And it was, it was, you don't get this with emails. It's, it smelled a bit like Thailand. Oh, was that her perfume? You know, great. And you would open it up, and it would be. I don't want to know what was inside. Oh no, no, it was so. It was like, oh, I miss you so much. You know, I hope you're okay. I hope it's not too cold in. And, a, and a stupid question, though, for yeah. did they write a lot in English? I mean, was English good back then? 
can I let you into a secret? Go on, there's no one watching. Fast forward seven or eight years, I'm a bar manager, right? Girls used to come to me with letters and say, this, this guy's written to me, can you, can you make up a reply? So I'd be going, uh, I, I actually drew the line ever really lying, really badly. <laughs> no, 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 because I think okay. you've got more. It's like, I mean, I have told a story in, in another video of mine on my channel, which is Look Podcastia, yeah. which I'm sure we'll you talk about that. To, yeah, we're going to talk about that. More about that later. Um, and uh, there was a girl that asked me to tell the person who was writing to her that she'd opened a laundrette on Walking Street. And please could you send her 50,000 bars because that was the rent. And I thought, of all the locations, for, I mean, you yeah. think, oh, where should I go and wash my clothes? Hold on a minute. Walk walk yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I drew the line at that. I said no. But very, very regularly, because I try to, when you're a manager, you obviously try and please customers. Mm -hmm. But also, when you're on the other side of the bar, you're trying to make sure your staff are happy as well. Mm -hmm. So I used to answer the letters for the girls sometimes. But I would never ever, I would sort of beat around the bush a bit, but I would never ever lie or try to extort money or anything like that. Okay, so. Because I, I have got a heart, a beating <laughs> heart. All right, so you've come here holiday and you've returned for working. What was your first job here in Britain? I worked on uh, Walking Street. It was Electric Blue. Now, everyone thinks Electric Blue is sort of 15. It is now, although it's at the moment closed because of COVID but it was electric blue and it was on Walking Street. It is now, ironically, a hair salon. Neither are you or I need that then. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and it's that. actually two doors up from Ibar. Okay. So if you get to Ibar, sorry, uh, is it Ibar? Yeah, the one on the ground, Ibar. Not, not the next one. That was a place called Hooties, by the way, if anyone remembers that. Hooties uh, was basically a rip-off of a well-known American chicken oh. joint. <laughs> Okay, yeah. Same colour uniforms, same logo, but it was called Hooties instead of something else. Uh, so that, imagine what so that, was, that was next door to what is now Ibar, which by the way used to be a tailor's, but more of that later. And then next door was Electric Blue, and that was the first job I had. Wow, and when you came here to work, I mean, how did you feel? Because obviously, you know, you've, you've been a successful DJ in England, you've, you've DJed to thousands of people, and now you're in a bar, and uh, I'm guessing that. The bar was like a girly bar and there was uh, items of clothing perhaps missing at various times of the day. So, I mean, how did that transition take place? I, I must admit, I got my feet on the ground pretty quickly. Yeah. When, when I used to come on holiday, the first thing I would do, and this, at the time it was Don Wang Airport. I used to land at Don Wang Airport, never mind the bus, straight in the taxi, down to Patia. Um, First, first thing I did, I said to myself when I come to work, I've got to get out of holiday mode really quickly. Mm. So the very first thing I did when I got to the airport is I got a bus instead. So okay. just, just to say, I, I can't, I can't keep spending money. So yeah, got to, got to work pretty quickly. I'd already worked in strip clubs and lap dance bars, as I already said. Yeah. So the transition was not difficult. Although I would say, any tips for any kind of man, people who want to be managers if they want to take any advice off me, <laughs> I would say all the management rules and the things that you learn being a manager, whether it's in a bar, whether it's in a restaurant or in an office or whatever, just throw them out the window because it doesn't work in Thailand. You cannot, for example, um, micromanage Thai people. You, know, yeah. you can't be sitting there going, no, you're doing that wrong. Actually, I've seen somebody do that in a, in a fast food restaurant. Uh, she was making up my sandwich 
might give it away what restaurant it was. Yeah. And this guy was standing over her and saying, no, no, you're doing that wrong, there's too much of that, you've got to... And she served my sandwich, I then saw the girl go in the back, get her bag and walk out. Oh, because obviously she'd lost face. Yeah, the sure, guy was yeah. So yeah. you cannot micromanage type people. That was the main thing that uh, always stuck in my mind when I first came out here. And I mean, going back in time when you when you first got here and you opened up the bar, or sorry, not open bar, the, uh, you're working in the club. Right. Was it like the good old days with the cold flannel and, and all that kind of service and treatment that seems to be missing now so badly? You know, we, we were talking about this the other day on, on one of the comments that, yeah. in a video saying about how you miss the, the cold flannel on the neck and you might get a shoulder massage and no pushing for drink. I mean, was that how your, your place was? I would say you'd be surprised. I think people tend to look at all things in the past with rose tinted glasses because yes there was the cold flannel and yes there was the back massage by the way you get these here as well <laughs> would, you, yeah. would you like a cold towel Trevor? <laughs> I'll settle with that but not the okay. <laughs> so you, you do get that here by the way um, but you still got the rip off you still got and actually people I think people who are coming here the customers were less educated about things like um, you know, the old 500 baht, 1000 baht drink, mm. or um, lady drinks, push, 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 push for ages. I think that was there from day one. I don't think that's ever changed. It's just that I think people are more aware of it now. Now, having said that, that never happened, hopefully, in the bars that I ran. And, and a lot of it is to do with the management. If you get that happening, I would say an awful lot of it is because they're just badly managed bars and people that aren't really customer focused. Yeah, and, and it's interesting you've just said what you said because I picked up on something which you which you mentioned, that you get the cold towel here. Yeah. And do you not think that that is a bit more of a reflection of the fact that you've been here so long, you're old school, and that you still see that customer interaction as being very important? Because right. a modern day manager, yeah. you know, most of them are on the phones and they're not really paying attention. And, you know, is that part of the service that they've never had? So therefore they don't really accept that you should do that. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to knock modern day managers. Modern day managers, you know, they want to be on the phone. So they might well be, you see a guy on a phone, you think, oh, he's playing a game or something. He might well be mm. trying to get people into the bar yeah, by, yeah. By, by going out to Facebook or sure. other social media. Um, yeah, I think a bar will always reflect the owner's personality and the owner's, mm. um, you know, what, what he considers to be the correct way to be served. Sure, you know, everything revolves around the owner. If you get a bar run by a Westerner, it's a bit rough and ready, and, you know, you. you sort of wipe your feet when you go out of it, it's probably a reflection of the person who owns that bar. Okay. So as here, I'm very laid back. For example, I like doing what I'm doing now. I like chatting, you know, talking about the old days with customers. So I don't have, um, uh, I don't have loud music, for example. Okay. My, my music is set at a level where people can talk. Now the downside of that is, you get people going to walking street they're in a bar, the music's pumping, they think, oh, I need five minutes out, I'll go to Phil's bar, I have a quiet drink. Mm. They come in here and, and they're yeah. quiet. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those. But I do think that, yes, I like to think of the old days, but I don't do it because I'm going back to the old days, I just do it because that's what the right thing to do. Mm. Okay, and we're going to come to the end near, uh, nearly of part one. Uh, it's a two-part interview, so we're going to come back to that in a second. And in the second half, we are going to talk about what it's like to own a bar. We're going to talk about your YouTube stream, etc. But before we move on and we call it a day on part one, I want to ask you one last question. 
and it, I want to talk to you about live streaming. It's a very hot topic right now, and there's a lot of people saying, I will never set foot in a bar if it's got a live stream going on. And there's other people saying, you know, well, it's a means to an end right now, and it's putting money on the table. What's your thoughts and what's your feeling about live streaming? I draw the line at live streaming while the bar is open. Okay. Right. I have done live streaming when we were open before, but it was me talking to people uh, on, a, on a camera, which would happen to be going out live, but the bar was closed. I totally sympathise and empathise, if you like, with people that say they wouldn't go in, and, and the big giveaway is those halo lights, right? If you see a bar yeah. with a halo yeah. light and the girl's looking in, yeah. I understand, you're not going to get the, first of all, there's a privacy issue, that's the first thing. Secondly, is the thing about, um, you're not going to get a drink. You hear one or two customers saying that they've been into those bars and haven't been able to get a drink or service for girls. That's their, that's their opinion, it certainly hasn't happened to me. So I draw the line there. But as far as live streaming, what I'm doing on my channel is, hey, guess what, uh, Trevor, we closed, you know. Yeah. I have got zero income coming in. So what I've decided to do is take my YouTube channel, which, again, we're going to talk about it, I know, in part two, but, uh, we're going to, uh, but my YouTube channel, basically me doing what I'm doing now, talking to a few people about old, old time, and you know we sometimes do little reviews here and there. So I took that and I pumped up the live streaming, basically because I've got staff who live here in the bar, and some that don't, and they can't go back home. But they're not allowed to leave, so you know they're doing one or two sure. odd chips on the side. But they've got no money coming. Mm, I'm trying to keep my staff together, and I've had it up to here. And to be quite honest, it's made me a lot stronger. Mm. The criticism that's come to live streaming in general, and to me personally, I'm. It's made me a stronger person. Okay. You should, you know, we all get um, comments on YouTube. Yeah. I know you do. Yeah. And sometimes they're held for review and you look at them. And I had one guy, I've got to give it to this one guy. <laughs> Go on. He managed to get every single banned word that <laughs> I'd set up in one sentence. Oh, I mean, I'm wow. looking at this, look at this comment, and I wouldn't like to say what it was. I thought, you know what, mate? You're an idiot, but I've got to give it to you. You're very good at English, because you managed to string it together. Trevor, I'm going to be honest with you. People are saying, oh, we're going to boycott your bar if you live stream. Right. I take that as a compliment, and I'll tell you why. They think there's going to be a bar to come back to. Mm, yeah. Because right now, things are like that with everybody. We, we, we had a lockdown in March, during March, We'd had a, a high season already. If you're smart like me, you had money in the bank. And that money in the bank got us through March, April, May, June. We're now in a situation where we've had no uh, high season. Sure. We won't be having a high season until next year, fingers crossed, or certainly the end of this year. Yeah. And there's no money in the bank. So I've got zero money coming in. What I've done is, I've got advertising coming in from YouTube. I've got a membership area on my YouTube channel. Fantastic. 99% of the people that ever talk to me about it, very, very positive. Mm -hmm. Phil, we want to help you. They're, all my customers are, are there and they want to help out. That 1%, honestly, they make me stronger because I just, I, I feel so pumped up and energized at the moment because I'm doing something 
that I actually love live streaming. Now, I, the, the, the format of the, what we do here and what I do on my own channel is that, yeah, we have girls and they're on the beach or they're playing sure, pool or yeah. whatever, eating food. <laughs> that was a hard, hard one. That was a hard one to sell. <laughs> Never. And, and, but I'm presenting it. Yeah. I've got a work permit so I can go in front of camera and I can say, hey, welcome to the live stream. I'm Mr. Egg. These are the Look Up Girls. You know, if you want to help them out, yeah. whatever. All the money we get donated, we're not ringing bells or buying lady drinks or anything. Anything that people send to help the girls out goes to the girls. In fact, we had a really good live stream on Sunday. I had to pay all the girls out, and now I've got my bar or something in my bank account. But don't worry, I'll, I'll get through that. So I differentiate myself from that to bars that are doing live streams whilst, whilst the bar is open. Nothing against what they do. Good luck to them. That's their business, and, and I'm not knocking them. But personally, I have got a thing about um, privacy, and I want to make sure. But but can I just make it absolutely clear to everyone? It could be the case that me, I would be on a on a plane going home, right? And I want to be on that plane going home, knowing that I tried everything I could to keep sure. my business yeah, yeah. going. I tried everything for my staff. I rolled the dice every time. If I'm sitting on a plane. I didn't do live streaming, you know, oh, I didn't do that. I took, I got an old rusty old laptop, I've got a second hand webcam, I've got a 400 part microphone, and I went down the beach, we got the girls playing pool, uh, we got the girls playing volleyball, and we put on the show. Yeah. And we got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people watching, and people helping out the girls. Personally, I think I actually did quite well, but there's still people that want to throw stones and throw dust, whatever. Sure. Up to them. But all I can say is it makes me smile. All right, well, that's a very honest answer, and I thank you very much for that. So, so far we've covered Phil from when he was back in England doing his DJing, coming here for the first time, working in the clubs, to now he's got his own place, which we're going to talk about in the second part of our interview, uh, as well as other bits and pieces. I've got a couple of little sneaky ones I'm going to throw in, which he doesn't know about. So, uh, I would like to say thank you very much for watching. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Buzzing Patsy channel. Please remember, hit the subscribe button and also the bell icon if you'd like to be notified when we bring out a new video. And come back, and we will be doing part two very soon. All right, that's it for me. Thanks very much for watching. Bye-bye.